The long, quiet hours waiting for a colic to resolve provide an opportunity for thoughtful reflection. In this episode of Barn Stories, an owner uses that time to truly appreciate the family horrors. Welcome to the Barn Stories podcast. I'm Lori Prince, editor of Equus Magazine. And I'm managing editor Christine Barakat. This podcast features our favorite essays and articles published in Equus over the past 40 years. Although Equus is known for articles on horse care and veterinary research, our editorial mission has always been guided by the bond that exists between horses and people. And each issue has featured a real life story that celebrates how horses enrich our lives and touch our hearts. We've searched our archives, chosen the stories that resonated with our readers, and given them new life in this audio format. Longtime subscribers may recognize some of their favorite pieces. And if you're new to the Equus community, these stories will confirm that no matter what sort of saddle you sit in, a deep emotional connection to horses is something we all share. There are a lot of layers to the essay we've chosen for this episode. On the surface, it's just a story about a horse who colics, but the author has definitely woven in so much more. She explores the relationships we can develop with horses and the communities that can form to care for them. Most of all, this story touches on how much we worry when a horse isn't well, just as we would with a family member. In preparation for this podcast, I listened to this story several times, and each time I heard another theme that resonated with me. I particularly like the misbehaving school horse redemption arc that pops up in the middle of the story. It's a path many of my favorite horses have followed. I'd encourage everyone to listen to this episode a few times to discover these sorts of details that will remind you of the horses in your life that you appreciate. So let's listen to The Next Step, written by Amy Hudock and read by Taylor Autumn. I hear a soft knicker, the kind only a horse who loves you can make, as I walk to where Peanut stands. His white coat, punctuated with small brown spots, is full of mud from rolling. Saliva on his sides shows me where he's been nipping his belly. Peanut isn't acting right this morning. He's lying down a bit, seems like he's cramped up. Rob, the owner of the barn, had been correct when he called. Peanut isn't acting right. As I walk across the ring, Peanut hovers close, following me so that he nearly knocks me down. When I stop, he shoves me with his head. When I try to brush the mud off of him, he moves so I can't reach his sides. He doesn't want me to touch him, but he wants to be as close to me as possible. This is not like him at all. Small and fast, he's the ideal pony for my daughter. Not a fancy show pony, but a tough worker. He jumps way beyond what one should expect of a pony of his size. And he never stops. He doesn't tire, he doesn't balk. He climbs hills, jumps ditches, and fords streams. When we first met Peanut, he was living in a large pasture, filled with much larger horses, even a few giraffes. I watched as the owners of the barn opened the gate and let the horses trot into their stalls to eat. As the horses jostled for position, I made the children get behind a fence to avoid the flying hooves. Then I saw Peanut, the smallest in the bunch, herding a group of mares. Peanut clearly was a dominant force in this herd, and I was impressed. Rob joins us, and I'm relieved. Rob's family has owned this farm for three generations. He knows horses, and he's not one for drama or overreacting. If he thinks something might be wrong, he's probably right. 
Thank goodness he caught Peanut's problem early. The veterinarian is coming for another call anyway, so we're lucky to already have him scheduled. I'm scared. Peanut was the first horse I had ever purchased myself. We had owned horses when I was a kid, but I never intended to have one now. Really, I didn't. But Peanut was special. When I first saw him, I thought he was either the cutest or the ugliest pony I had ever seen. At the barn we went to then, he was a lesson pony who had grown tired of beginners. He chose my daughter over everyone and bucked the others off. When his owners decided to stop using him in their lesson program, justifiably so, I didn't want to lose him. I scheduled to teach an extra class each semester so we could afford him. Yet, as much as I love him, I have never ridden Peanut. He's either a large pony or a small horse, whichever you want to call him. And I tend to think of him as my daughter's, not mine. I think of him as my little man. I don't take him seriously as a mount for me, although Lindsay, our trainer, rides him and she is my height. As your horses age, it's easy to keep them comfortable with Buteless. Buteless is a proven supplement that supports daily comfort and recovery of both active and retired horses. Plus, Buteless uses a blend of natural ingredients like Devil's Claw, Yucca, and Vitamin B12. Designed for long-term use, Buteless is gentle on the stomach and is intended to be given every day with your horse's feed. Buteless supports a healthy inflammatory response to help your horse live their most comfortable lives every day. Gentle on the stomach and packed with powerful relief for daily aches, Buteless keeps horses moving comfortably with just one scoop per day. My husband, daughter, and stepdaughter arrive, and the girls fight to be the one to walk Peanut. They have had one prior experience with colic. At the barn where we first boarded our horses, Rachel rode a mare named Sonoma, who became sick. The girls stayed with her for hours. When we left her that night, she seemed to have recovered. However, when we pulled up to the barn the next day, the girls couldn't spot the whiteness of Sonoma in the big pasture. She had died in the middle of the night. The girls watch Peanut as if they're afraid he, too, will disappear. He follows them around the ring without a lead rope, his sides quivering. The veterinarian arrives and asks a few questions, then gets to work. Peanut is sedated, tubes put in his nose, medicine administered. Through it all, I hold him. I can't believe he's allowing us to do all of this to him. I look into his eyes, and I'm surprised to see no fear. He watches me. And although he's my daughter's horse, I begin to see that he trusts me. Throughout the last year, I've always been there, instructing his rider to not forget to pick up his hooves, supervising them in the ring, washing him after she's been distracted and wandered off. I ran out into the freezing rain to put on his blanket. I calmed him when he was startled. I've been his guardian, even though I may have never been on his back. And maybe because I was never the rider, he's learned to love me differently than my daughter. He is now watching me to determine if he should worry about this veterinarian and all the tubes and all the pain. Because I am calm, he is calm. I stand still. The moment reminds me of holding my then-infant daughter in my arms and thinking, it's up to me. I have to keep her alive. I have to help her thrive. I have to care for her. 
It's my responsibility. I feel the same now. Peanut submits to all this treatment without fighting because I ask him to. He does it for me. Thus, what happens now is on me, and I had better make the right choices. The veterinarian finishes, and everyone leaves. I pull up a chair and sit next to Peanut as he finds his way back from the drugs. His head is down, his feet splayed. He simply breathes and lets the cross ties hold him up. I sit with him, as I remember sitting at other sick beds, waiting. I put a saddle pad over my legs. It's so cold. Suddenly, his eyes focus. His head comes up, and he lets a long stream of urine pass on the floor. I hop up to get out of the splash zone. He then passes gas, and to a horse owner with a sick horse, that sound is like music. I'm thrilled to hear it. He's better. Peanut's hooves click on the concrete barn aisle as I lead him out. He doesn't seem certain that the ground will stay still. He touches it as if it might jump back at him. I release him in the front paddock, where Rob can help me keep an eye on him. I lift my chair over the fence and pull out my laptop. Peanut grazes as I start to type. He crops grass in a circle around me, staying so close that I have to warn him away, fearing he may knock my laptop to the ground. I keep typing. He keeps chewing. We continue he and I, until the sun starts to go down and I hear Rob finishing up the feeding. I feel better knowing he's watching over us. As the light begins to fade, I look up at Peanut. He is standing with the sun setting behind him, and I don't see my daughter's pony. I see a horse, in his own right, who was strong and brave when many others may not have been. He has heart, this guy. He really does. And I feel, for the first time, that I would like to ride him. I want to gallop with him bareback. I want to trot with him down a trail. I want to know and appreciate him for all that he is. And maybe, when he's all better, I will. Thanks for listening to Barn Stories. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have a favorite article or essay from the Equus Archives that you'd like us to feature in a future podcast, let us know. You can reach us at equusbarnstories, all one word, at gmail.com. Did you enjoy this episode of Barn Stories? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. Thanks for listening. The Barn Stories podcast is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of the Equine Network.